Welcome to Grow Your Dental Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Mohamed Ismail. I'm a cloud accounting expert and a business advisor to dental and medical professionals. My firm, Shift Accounting, has helped our clients reach their financial goals. We are absolutely passionate about the dental industry, so we created the Grow Your Dental Practice Podcast, provide you with valuable resources and help you grow your dental practice. I interview experts in the industry, extract all the wonderful knowledge they have, and give it to you, our wonderful listeners. Welcome back to the Grow Your Dental Practice podcast. Today, we are excited to bring you Leah Dennis, who is the Director of Client Success at Recall Max. She has over 16 years of experience in the dental industry and knows Recall inside out. While Leah works for Recall Max now, she previously managed one of North America's largest dental practices before running her own consulting firm where she focused on system development and implementation. Leah is joining us today to share her insight on recall-related topics, including the process of recall booking, the recall roller coaster and how to deal with it, how to prime yourself for success, the importance of personal engagement and how to make it easier for admins, how to prioritize for best ROI, the key metrics to evaluating your system, why you want to use an actual system for your recall, how to make the overall process easier, smoother, and more effective. I am really excited to share Leah's insight with you So let's get started. Hello, podcast listeners. I would like to welcome my guest, Leah Dennis, Director of Client Success at Recall Max. Leah started uh, in the dental industry in 2003. She managed one of North America's largest dental offices and then went off to to run her own practice consultancy. Uh, She was focused on delivering and implementing systems that improve the clinic success. I personally met Leah five years ago and I was really blown away uh, with the amount of knowledge and information she has regarding stats and how she helps uh, offices grow and develop, you know, successful practices. And uh, five years later, we decided to uh, have a podcast together here today. Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Can you give our uh, wonderful listeners a little introduction about yourself? Sure. So, like you said, I started in the industry in 2003. Um, My primary focus quickly became systemizing things that admin teams didn't have tools for. I developed a, a consultancy off of that and quickly gained a pretty good following of practices that didn't have systems, didn't have many tools for the admin teams to really be successful. And um, a couple years ago, I joined the fine folks here at Recall Max. I'm now their director of their client success department. And my primary focus is um, educating admin teams on how to really optimize what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Awesome. Leah, one of the questions uh, that I hear from clinics, or it's not a question, it's actually one of a complaint, that (laughs) Recall is... A constant challenge nobody likes to do it why is that well I mean one of the main reasons is it's it's one of those jobs in a practice that 
becomes a little bit thankless, really. There's not a lot of feedback as far as like how successful have they been. It seems like a massive task. And most practices don't have a lot of tools for their admin teams to really be successful with it. It's like, go pull some lists. We have holes in the schedule. Like there's a pressure to fill that, but there also isn't a lot of system built into, well, where should we direct our time? Where are we going to net our best results? It's really just a, a, you know, more of a reactionary system and there's a lot of pressure behind it. So admins tend to try and find other things to focus on really. So, so it's not a sexy task. No. It's a massive uh, amount of information that somebody has to deal with. And if they don't have the right system, it just becomes very daunting that nobody wants to touch it. Right. And even when they have like a perceived, let's say, system, I mean, there's lots of administrators out there who have really solid recall systems in place, but they are so complex and they're so time consuming that it and and then in the end, it's like, you know, I pull my lists, I have all this organization, there's all this prep work, and then you get to leave a voicemail. And and you start to feel like, like, what is the point? Right. But the point is, it's it, it really is like the pivotal system in a practice that can make or break how things go. So how does a, a poor recall process impact a clinic? Well, it, impact it impacts it in multiple ways. Uh, one of the biggest ways that it impacts it is, I mean... It, it bleeds into the production of every facet of the office. So when you don't have a solid recall process or hygiene process, patients aren't coming in, they're responsible for 80% of the practice revenue. So about 10% will come from new patients, 10% from emergency type patients, but 80% of your revenues are going to stem from that repeat client. So if you're not getting them in for recalls, the dentist really doesn't have much opportunity to diagnose or revisit previous diagnosis for restorative work. Mm. And your restorative chairs start to suffer. And obviously you're not getting the production out of the hygiene chairs either. Right, so offices that struggle in recall, they constantly have to rely on their marketing and acquiring new patients, which I mean, yeah, you, you, you need to do that, mm -hmm. but there's more pressure on the new patients rather right. than what can we do with the existing patients. Yeah, and I mean, if you're looking at like growth of, in any aspect, organic growth really is going to come from that pool of patients that knows you, sitting there, they're primed to come, to come back in, and it's just a matter of accessing them, knowing what to say, how frequently to reach out to them. Um, and you know that we do as an industry, and this is like a topic that I could really go to town on. I'm all for marketing. Okay. I think that yes, new patients are the lifeblood of a lot of practices, but nowadays, I mean, we're really like, if you're not giving your patient base the attention that they need, somebody else is fighting for them. Mm -hmm. And it's the guy down the street or the girl down the street who's, you know, expending great dollars into their marketing campaigns and these patients are sitting there ignored and those marketing dollars are being directed at your patients. So if you're not really fighting for them, somebody else is. And I mean, I think that there's a good balance that you can strike between 
directing an inward focus in optimizing the patient base and the and what information you have at your fingertips mm. and you know outward dollars to acquiring new patients and and that sort of thing uh, you, you know what it, it's um, as you're speaking I'm, I'm thinking about you know some of you know the clients that I work with or you know I've interacted with and you know it's easy to throw money at marketing. Right. It's easy to say, you know what, I'm just gonna crank that budget, you know, from X amount of dollars to, you know, double it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's very hard to sit down and think about the process, right? And say, okay, now I have to train people. Uh, now I have to maybe give them, you know, the language for them to speak about recall. And it's just a lot of work, right? right? You, you know, so people struggle, you know, with, uh, committing that time or energy, mm-hmm. right? So what are the steps, uh, you know, an office can take to improve the recall or their book back rate? Well, pre-booking is going to be one of your number one priorities, okay? So like as far as systems go, recall is huge. And then a very close second is going to be, if not equal, your pre-appointing. So pre-appointing patients is really kind of this security blanket that you need to work at consistently. Mm -hmm. It's not one of those things where it's like, okay, guys, we're focused on pre-appointing this month, and then you can take a vacation from it. I mean, recall is very much the same way, too. It's not. It's kind of a vacation-free zone in a way. So pre-appointing patients is so integral because the downward... Uh, flow or workflow that comes out of missing your pre-appointing of your patients is what causes the system to break. Mm. You know, if even if you're pre-appointing 80% of your patient base, which is the minimum standard and goal in our industry um, for retention purposes, uh, for ensuring that your admin teams don't have, you know, 70% of your patients to call back and, and work with to try and fill schedules. Um, but so it is super important and there are a few things that you can do in order to kind of leverage your success because I mean, admin teams and hygienists will, you know, tell you that things get in the way. People don't want to pre-book, but they do. (laughs) I mean, it's really all in the presentation of it. So priming yourself for success is super important. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. Number one, ask every single patient. You know, don't let your perception of somebody or whether or not they typically pre-book cloud whether or not you're going to offer it to them. Okay, that's number one. And I know that it feels like we ask every single patient. Like when I would go into practices and do a bit of an analysis and that sort of thing and meet with the hygiene and admin teams, they would say, oh, we pre-book everybody. Awesome. It, which is great. <laughs> but when you start to get into the analysis of it and I get the numbers... Right. It usually fell around 50%. And I mean, when you're thinking if you exit eight patients and you you pre-booked four, that feels like everybody, but it's not. You still now have 50% to chase down. So aiming for that 80% or better as a minimum standard is really key. Um, Provider-led booking is one of the most successful ways to do this, meaning hygienists. And I know they're strapped for time, but this is such a key piece to, you know, hygienists are, their primary concern and functionality is to create 
you know, oral health for patients, systemically, like lifetime-wise. So if they're not thinking about tomorrow's treatment as part of today, it, it's gonna it's gonna beat them up a little bit. So making sure that there is time to pre-book your patient, you just spent an hour, maybe more with them, building value, helping them understand that we, um, you know, need to treat you on an ongoing basis in order to keep things healthy. Um, they have the best chance at getting somebody to pre-book. Right. Also, money's not part of the conversation yet. So when you pass it off to the administrator and expect them to be able to pre-book everybody, um, you know, they might have just said, you know, here's how much today's treatment just cost. And now I want to turn around and have you do that again in three months. Great. Your success <laughs> rates really start to dive bomb then. So there, there's a bit of a psychology behind it. Right. There's verbal skills involved. Another thing is you want to assume the booking. You never want to, you know, kind of, pigeonhole yourself into a yes or no answer it's not you know hey bob would you like to book today no well okay then right it's you know does this time and date typically work for you and let's get you set up kind of deal right that's awesome so number one it has to be part of the office process and systems that they book in the back right yes uh number two you know language plays a big role into this right i mean you will still get people that would say, no, I don't know my, my schedule at this point. Um, you know, how, how do you deal with scenarios like this? Well, that's fair. I mean, you're going to get objections. And that's why the expectation isn't 100% of patients pre-appoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, that leaves that 20% variance when you're thinking about it. And there are people who will adamantly not do it. Mm-hmm. But even if you get one objection, I, you know, always coach my clients, like, don't give up. Don't stop there. Right. Because there's things you can say to them. So, for example, if they're like, well, I don't know my schedule in six months from now. Mm. Great. Neither do I. (laughs) But why don't we reserve some time? We have processes in place to give you, you know, advance notice, three, four, two weeks in advance. And if you notice at that point there's a conflict in your schedule, we're happy to reschedule you. Awesome. No, that's that's really awesome. Um, So, you know, uh, one of the the challenges, you know, for recall, I guess, is how, how to deal with the volume. I mean, you have like, uh, you know, as a front desk person, you have AR to do, you have payments, you know, that you need to enter, you have to check out patients, uh, and then you also have recall, mm-hmm. right? So h- how do you deal with, you know, how do you deal with this challenge? And, you know, we identified this as one of the most important tasks for the office to, to stay afloat and, mm-hmm. you know, create, you know, healthy production for the office. So how do you deal with that? How do you fit this in? The fit in, the I don't have time thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this isn't going to be, you know, the the nicest answer in the world, but the the simple we're, we're fact not, nice yeah, the simple <laughs> fact is you have to make time. Right. You really do. It's one of the things that's going to like make or break your practice. And as an administrator it, it's one of those systems that it's like if you're not making time for it, you're really going to be spinning your wheels and wasting time downstream anyways. So, I mean, when you're – and there's a lot of stress as an administrator. Like, they do a ton every single day to help keep these, you know, multi-million dollar practices afloat and running in an efficient fashion. And downtime in the schedule is a very 
stressful thing for every single administrator who's been out there, every TC, office managers. It's like you you feel the pressure. So if you can be proactive about it, and again, it is a vacation-free zone, recall tends to be a little reactionary too. It's like looking ahead, oh gosh, there's a whole bunch of openings. I better make some calls. All of a sudden people book or, you know, you make some text messages or some emails. All of a sudden things start to book and you take your foot off the gas. Right. And then it happens again and again. We call it the recall roller coaster. <laughs> so, I mean, there's this kind of old saying that I kind of apply in a lot of ways. And it especially applies to recall is you can't coast uphill. So if you're looking for any kind of growth, if you're looking to improve year over year, you have to apply gas, meaning you have to carve out time, make it a priority, find ways that you can work with the resources that you have in your practice, meaning do you, you know, take the time to invest in somebody who's going to make this a focus of their job, or are we going to, you know, meet on a process that we can split up the system and give it to different people and make different people responsible. And then the other part is really having a concrete idea as to how the process should function. And it should always function hot to cold. Meaning I, I would hate to walk into a practice and see that they're like, Oh, we put, you know, pulled our list of people who haven't been here in three years. And it's like, okay, you're not going to get the results out of those patients and you're really stepping over really hot opportunities at the risk of you know getting a couple people who haven't been there in multiple years so identifying that it's a hot to cold process meaning you need to contact the most likely to book first and exhaust those opportunities before you start progressing further and further away from their due date and that is like the key piece to this because if you have limited time, you're obviously going to want to spend it in the area that's going to net you the most results. Right. So so if I'm looking at this list and I see somebody who is, for example, due next week, I'm going to start there right. right, and kind of finish that. Or I'm going to go to the next section would be somebody who's late a week or two, you know, and start there, right? Right. And go down the list, not just print a list and say, okay, I'm going to go from A to Z. Right. Yeah. I mean... I guess it, it doesn't really matter what your last name is. Uh, <laughs> it, it, that's not a proven method to, you know, if your last name starts with A, uh, that you somehow get, you know, more attention than somebody else. Um, it really is a, a based on who's coming due to latest overdue. And you don't want to get much past like the two years overdue mark. The returns on your time and attention for those patients are so small by comparison to the amount of effort that you're putting in. Um, and I know practices are focused on like, you know, reactivation, reactivation, but it's like a one to 2% return when you could be investing time where you're getting something like 20 to 30% of all contacts made are resulting in booked appointments. Mm. So especially when we're talking about balancing time, making time right. for it, if you're not spending that precious amount of time when you're working your recall system in the area that's going to net your results, you're really kind of just like shooting yourself in the foot. Wow. So if you don't work smart on your list, you'll be spending 
time where there's no ROI whatsoever. Correct. Right? And you're wasting, you know, that precious time to get the people most likely that will come back. This is, this is really, you know, it's re it's really good information because if you don't have a proper system and the tools. Uh, and you just go to your patient management software and just print it, mm -hmm. it's most likely not going to give you, you know, uh, correct information that you can quickly sort out. Right. Well, that and, I mean, scheduling software, yeah, you can pull pretty much any report, but it doesn't guide you down the path of success, meaning it doesn't have any kind of process built into it to say, hey, admin person, Start here because you are going to get your most success here. And if you ever get down to the patients who are in the reactivation category, like congrats. But what we want is a schedule filled with the least amount of effort because we don't have a ton of time. So, I mean, if I was to ask any admin person out there, uh, you know, would you rather make 10 points of contact and have three or four bookings? or make a hundred points of contact and get three or four bookings, which would you choose? <laughs> right. So, um, I had a really good question. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we need to re-record re in minute 19. Um, what was the question? I completely forgot that question. Oh, so, Let's say, um, you know, I print my list, okay, mm -hmm. and um, let's assume my list is, is sorted, okay? You okay. Know, you know, sorted to the most amount of opportunities, okay? How much time should I allocate? Let's say, in, in let's give, you know, I have 500 people in my list that I need to contact. You know, as an owner, I need to kind of think about, you know, my team capacity and, and give them enough time to do the task. Right. So... How can I calculate how much time I need to give them to go through that list? Oh, that's a very good question. So if we're talking about like the manual process of it, like, you know, go into your scheduling software, do a date range search, printed something off. Hmm. You're probably looking at two to four minutes of prep time per contact on that sheet. Because if you think about it, it's, you know, it's on paper, you go into your scheduling software, you search the patient's name. Now we're looking at, well, are they already booked for anything else? When were they last contacted? Hopefully you're looking at, are there any other family members that I could also mention in this contact point so that I can, you know, not have to call multiple times to the same household? Um, Sometimes you're looking at, you know, do they owe money? Is there treatment we need to talk about? And then you go about contacting them. And then you leave a voicemail. Maybe you get them on the phone, hopefully. Um, or you get them via text or email. I mean, when I'm talking about personal engagement, it's kind of multiple avenues of, of contact um, and methods. Um, then hopefully you're diarizing your contact point. So then you go in and make your notes about contacting them and what was the result of the, the contact point, and then you start the process all over again. So it does take a few minutes because, I mean, one of the fears as an administrator is that you get on the line and you get somebody live and then you look silly because they're like, well, I'm coming in next week for this. Why are you contacting me now? And then you don't trust your reporting and it becomes kind of a big process. Right. 
So at what point uh, do clinics need to look at an, a computerized recall system or an automated recall system where you know, they are not relying on their patient management software to do the recall? Or to pull the, to pull the list from to put the process together to, to for it. I mean I anybody I think every single practice under the sun would benefit from having a process where it drives opportunities to the administrator and all they need to do is use their talents and you know personality to engage these patients so even if it's a startup practice where you know you have zero patients you know, and let's say that the, the new patients that are coming each month still are manageable, you know, to do it manually, let, let's, mm -hmm. let's call it that way. Right. Yeah. I mean, we work with and I've worked with brand new startups and, you know, it's actually extremely important for them to be on top of their processes right out of the gate. A, you're carving out good habits, you're training patients right out of the gate, how you guys like to function and run things. And there's opportunities outside of recall that new practices really need to focus on, which are ensuring that their new patients, A, show up. If there is any cancellations that you're really kind of going back and revisiting those opportunities, um, canceled patients are actually one of the best opportunities in a practice. Mm. Regardless of new patient, restorative, hygiene, whatever it is, because a patient who had scheduled an appointment committed to it in some capacity. They were committed mentally, financially, that sort of thing. And then let's say work got in the way, kids sick, whatever it is, right. they're actually significantly more likely to reappoint than someone who's never scheduled in the first place. So tracking that as a new practice is extremely important because you're especially, you know, throwing out the dollars to marketing, like every new patient is gold to you. Right. And if they get booked and you've invested in them and then they don't come because, as we know, new patients are one of the n most frequently no-showed visits there because there's no relationship built yet. If you're not on them to get back in the, in the office, like those marketing dollars have really gone to waste. The other side of things is, you know, you're probably diagnosing treatment for these people. So you would want to ensure that you have a process in place that's capturing those opportunities too. And then within three to six months of opening, you'll have a recall system in place. I mean, those patients need to return likely three, six, obviously nine, 12 months down the road. Awesome. So what are the key metrics uh, to look at you know, in, in order to evaluate an effective recall system? Oh, this is my best part. Right. I love the <laughs> metrics. So stats are key. And understanding your stats is even more important awesome. um, because it's really what's going to drive the success of the process and setting everything up. So there's a few different things that you're going to want to look at um, in your practice as far as evaluating your opportunity. Okay, so and when we're talking about hygiene and recall primarily, it all sits in this space of opportunity. What do we have the capacity to achieve in our office? And understanding that is a pretty big deal. So things that you'll want to look at are, what are my true active patient counts? Okay, so not going into your scheduling software and saying, show me every patient who's in a, an active status. That's a bit misleading. And I mean, I can't even, I mean, it, it's really the majority of practices. 
we're a little optimistic in this front and we'll say, you know, I, I have 5,000 active patients. Well, you might have 5,000 charts, but when were they last here? Like, right. are they truly being seen by your practice? So understanding an accurate patient count is really, really a big deal. So, so the definition of active uh, in this in this context is what 18 months 18 years? months okay okay so if a patient has been seen and treated in your practice within 18 months i personally consider that active okay there's high turnover people leave quickly uh they move on quickly uh especially you know like if they're leaving jobs and that sort of thing like if you're in the downtown core or anywhere people move a lot right. um so I think that being sober about what's going on in your office is probably a big deal, okay? And then you can you also look at, well, what is my hygiene opportunity related to scheduling? Meaning, do I know the exact amount of patients who could fill hygiene chairs tomorrow, okay? Because that's also going to help determine, well, what should my hygiene supply be? Interesting. Okay, because when you're thinking about openings or that sort of thing, or even growth, if you're the type of practice that you're struggling, there's seemingly too many openings for how many patients you perceive you have, um, the intervals that you think that the hygiene team is recommending, um, all of those things play a factor, obviously, in, in how many visits per year and that sort of thing. Um, if, if you're off by this, then your your system will appear to be broken when potentially it's not. So you would want to understand how many patients could fill chairs tomorrow, how many patients are pre-scheduled. So what is your unscheduled patient base? So of my active population, how many patients are sitting there not booked for hygiene or recall? Um, and that all lends to knowing how to adequately supply your hygiene department. So, you know, uh, let's go to the first one, which is uh, how many patients can come in tomorrow? H how do we figure that number? Like, how, how do we? Go so, that? knowing how many patients could fill chairs tomorrow is a tabulation of patients who are coming due next month mm -hmm. up to 24 months overdue. I tend not to include much over the t two years late. Like if somebody's two years late, they haven't been to your office in two and a half to three years. Right. So counting them is really part of your scope of opportunity. Beyond that is going to start to skew your numbers a little bit as well. So, so that's how you tabulate that number would be each month. So that what 25, 26 months of patients who are due, you would want to tally that up. Okay, so that's uh, that's the first metric. The second metric is how many patients are late or due. Right. Okay. Well, late. I mean, that that's kind of a similar metric, actually. Right. So it's. I mean, you're either due or you're overdue. Right. Um, so that's that coming due next month up to 24 months late. Um, but also understanding within that, there's certain patients that are going to be better opportunities than others so <laughs> understanding you know who your hot pool are right. okay so who who are you likely to get that like really solid like you know 30 to 40 percent return per contact on your warm patients will probably get you about you know, 10 to 15 percent return per contact 
And then when you're moving in that kind of like reactivation space where they, you know, you're getting into the one, two years overdue, you start to get into like a scary space of about 5% success rates. So balancing that all out, what you're aiming for in your coming due to 24 months late per personal contact, so either personal text, personal email, personal phone call, your admin team should be able to net out 20 to 30% success. So if you know what that is every month, you know how many openings you have, you should know how many contacts you need to make. Right. So does the success uh, rate changes based on the method? So for example, uh, a lot of people just don't like to pick up the phone in the right. office, right? They just want to send a text or an email. Um, is there a correlation between the method and the success rate? That's a very good question. And I get asked this routinely. <laughs> and my answer to this is alternating your method and being smart about your method is your best chance. So the method of contact is a very common question. Like what is going to get you the best success rate? Because right. everybody's looking for, you know, I want to only do the thing that works. And I think, you know, a lot of people are hoping that it's like a text message or something like that. But the, the answer to this is varying your type of contact is probably the best advice I have. Yes, there's demographics of patients that you would presume are more tech savvy and would answer a text message. But there, I just see just as many, you know, 30-year-olds ignoring your personal text as you do a 70-year-old. So uh, when you notice what type of contact you did last time and that person doesn't book, try something else. So... I mean, and the same is true. Like I've seen practices where I go in and they're like, well, I've, you know what? I've texted you know, 500 people and I start digging into it and it's like, but do you see how you've texted that same person 10 times and they've never <laughs> responded? The likelihood of that like 11th unanswered text resulting in a booked appointment is very low. So why don't we try something else? So there isn't one method that works best. It's trying multiple methods <laughs> with different patients Absolutely. is what works best. Awesome. So Leah, I mean, wh what is, can you give me the benefits of uh, a computerized recall process, just like Recall Max? Okay. So the benefits of automating your system, now I'm not talking about auto messaging because that's a completely different process and that nets you a completely different result. So automating your recall system cuts out all of the things that we see challenging practices today as it pertains to recall, meaning I don't know who to call. I don't know how many people I have to call. I don't know where to start. And automating these processes so that it just kind of brings forward to the administrator, like Recall Max's job on a daily basis is for us to pump out, turning over oper best opportunities to worse and just displaying those to the administrator so that they can take that and use really what they're gifted at, which is relationships with patients, chatting them up, getting them to schedule and doing all the things that a robot scheduler can't do. So, I mean, auto messages, 
are a great supplementary um, system to personal engagement, but it doesn't even hold a candle to su the success rates. When we're talking about success rates of contact points to actual scheduled appointments, auto messages run you in the neighborhood, okay? I'm not talking about confirmations because the response rates on those are obviously much higher. Um, about 5%, like, and this is what we know to be true. We have millions of patients in our database that we see these numbers not changing. It doesn't matter if it's a text or an email automated. It, people aren't incentivized by a robot. They know it's coming from an auto service. They, it goes into a junk folder. It looks robotic. I'm guilty of this. You're probably guilty of this. Like, I mean, my optometrist has been sending me auto messages for four years and I haven't booked. So, but had somebody made a real attempt to engage with me and show me the importance of booking an appointment, the likelihood of me saying yes goes way up. And that's where we see that differential between auto messaging being about 5% success rates and personal engagement being that 20 to 30% success rate. So, I mean, it, it's really the writings on the wall. So if you can make personal engagement easier and more accessible to your admin teams, the direct result is they can get their volume up, meaning I can now contact, instead of taking, we talked a little bit earlier about you know, how much time it takes to prep for a contact point when you're doing it manually, when you're printing stuff off of the computer and pulling people up one by one. When it's automated and organized for the admin team member, you can usually cut that down by half, if not more. Wow. So you're getting double the contacts out there and in turn, you're getting double the results, right. which is what it's all about. So when you go from, you know, four or five minutes of prep work per contact to one to two minutes, that's, that's, the, that's the impact. And that translates to the administrator being less frustrated because they can just set down to go and everything's laid out. They don't need to write notes. They don't need to figure out who to contact. Family members are all alerted to you before you make the contact point. It just cuts down all of the, the ugliness that we experience in a recall system. That's amazing. You know, uh, I, 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 the key to success in recall, in my opinion, is number one, how can we get all the relevant data to the person who has to make the recall? You right. Know, give them that data so they can, they can do their job efficiently. Mm -hmm. Number two, um, you still need that personal interaction, you know, with your patient to build that rapport and to bring them in. Uh, if, if you, you know, kind of put that data into uh, an auto text and mm -hmm. spam, you know, a thousand people, right. your success rate is not going to be there. Right. Right. You still need that personal human touch that interacts with your patients to bring people in. Yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, in dentistry, primarily, like the business of dentistry, the patient relationship and building that trust it's cultivated over a long period of time. Like there's that old adage that, you know, nobody likes the dentist, but everybody likes their dentist, right? So because there's a relationship there. And when you start to build up barriers to that relationship, I mean, your success rates drop. It's just plain and simple. People don't feel that individualized attention. Um, that's felt even 
downstream, you know, we, once we get the patient in the practice, that's what we're all about. Whoa, it's relationship, relationship, because we need people to trust us in order to provide health care to them. I mean, and for them to want to do their treatment with us and trust that they need that treatment and it's beneficial to them overall. And when you start to remove those pieces of relationships that, you know, admin team members are integral to this, hygienists are integral to this. I mean, and dentists, obviously, dental assistants, everybody works together to keep that relationship trusting and open. And when you start to remove parts of that, you start to sometimes lose that trust and, and it can affect other parts of the practice as well. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's amazing. Leah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, there's just a lot of, you know, valuable information here. I love it. Um, if somebody wants to get in touch, learn more about you or Recall Max, or just say hi, how can uh, they reach you? Uh, you can reach us at recallmax.com. And uh, we're always happy to answer questions. If you have any questions further to what I've ranted on about today, um, I, I have lots more information if anybody is ever interested. You can reach me at leah.dennis at recallmax.com as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today on Grow Your Dental Practice podcast. I would like to thank our corporate partner, Zero, a beautiful accounting software. If you'd like to know more information or just want to say hi, visit our website, Shift Accounting. That is shiftact.com. Or you can reach me directly at Mohammed, M-O-H-A-M-E-D, at shiftact.com. <laughs>